You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis. All right, guys, episode 48 of Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. As always, I've got my co-host Erasmus Stylianessis. He's coming live from California. I'm in Sydney, Australia. It's great to be here with you all. Um, housekeeping before we get into our, our episode today with Laura Matsu. We're working on a website and it's getting super close and we're super pumped to, to create this platform for you guys. It's looking really good. All our content's going to be accessible in one place. Um, we're going to be free from censorship there, ultimately. And uh, we've got a merch store coming as well with some awesome t-shirts, awesome mugs, and just different ways to, to, to involve the community. As always, if you're looking for some divination needs, my services are all based around helping you embody your individuality and provide you with self-knowledge through various tools, arts, plus my own work. You can head to joelrafidi.com and check that out. I currently have an offer on the alchemy reading. If you join my Telegram group, which is also at Joel Rafidi and use the code Telegram20, you get $20 off the alchemy reading. If you're looking for specific human design readings, please reach out to Erasmus or if you're in the LA area and uh, in need of some body work or breath work, also reach out to Erasmus. And without further ado, let's bring on Laura Matsu. All right, everybody, good to be with you here once again. Welcome to episode 48 of Here for the Truth. And we have an amazing guest with you uh, for you today, Laura Matsu wife of Bernard Gonta, who joined us on episode 26. It's such a pleasure to have her here. Um, let me introduce Laura quickly from her bio. Laura studied a wide range of modalities, ranging between Western psychology and Eastern spirituality. She's a teacher of yoga, meditation, a psycho-spiritual coach, and an astrologer. She studied various spiritual and psychotherapeutic modalities, including compassionate inquiry, internal family systems, Tibetan Buddhism, evolutionary astrology, somatic psychology, and is a big fan of combining depth psychology with esoteric spirituality. From 2012 forward, she began her journey of regenerating her body, mind, and spirit through committing to a daily yoga and meditation practice, accompanied by psychological self-work and working with various healing modalities. And now she works with many of these modalities she used to heal herself on others who are looking to heal themselves as well. Laura is known in her coaching for being able to give people a clear overview of their karmic situation in this lifetime and works with the method of evolutionary astrology in particular to do this. She's the co-host of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with her husband, Bernard. They currently facilitate the Embodied Soul Awakening group program where they guide people through an in-depth program of holistic self-work together. Laura, welcome to Here for the Truth. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to finally chat with you guys off the interwebs. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Definitely good to connect. Yeah, it's important. Um, so as, as always, we'd like to begin this with um, your personal rites of passages, your hero's journey. Um, what, 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 were the, what were the milestones that you went through to, I guess, really begin to awaken into who, who you are today? Yeah, so I guess for me... Um, the turning point was 2012. Um, in my teens to my late 20s, I was working as a music journalist in the entertainment industry. 
um, and really just looking for ways to express my creativity through that. Um, and I got exposed to a lot of dark and traumatic experience, kind of navigating these upper echelons of power, I guess you could say. Um, and that led me to, I guess, even like a decade long dark night of the soul, um, just becoming addicted to various drugs, then going to help through the mainstream medical system, them having me put, uh, they put me on a bunch of psychiatric drugs, you know, and then that's when I realized like the healing I was looking for was not to be found in the existing systems. Um, so yeah, it had to get really, really bad for me. I really got pushed to the brink of suicide in late 2012, actually. Um, and I had a turning point where I hit complete rock bottom. I had just gone on a detox, um, for opiates actually. So that was really intense physically and psychiatric drugs. And um, I had a turning point where I had nothing left to do but turn to God. And uh, it was actually around the end of the world calendar in the Mayan calendar, December uh, 2012, where that was the first moment I prayed and God kind of gave me a hand. And through a series of synchronicities, I was able to kind of climb out of an extremely dark place and learned how to just heal myself in mind, body, and spirit. Um, and from that point forward, I just started a daily yoga and meditation practice. I really found deep magic in this kind of um, spiritual approach, um, which led to me a, a lot of spiritual bypassing as well. Uh, and that's when I started exploring psychotherapeutic modalities, but more adept psychology, especially Carl Jung's work, mm -hmm. and just really exploring, you know, the shadows that led me to where I where I'd been through. Um, and yeah, it just it's just been an ongoing journey since then. I did, I did my yoga teacher training, I did holistic counseling, I studied all these semantic therapeutic modalities, mostly just looking for deeper healing on myself. Um, and then I moved to an eco village because I was convinced the world was going to end a few years before it actually hit the before shit actually hit the fan. Um, and then I met Bernhard, and then we started doing retreats in Peru together. Then all of this kind of craziness hit. We moved our work entirely online, and that's basically leading to where I am right now. And we just facilitate now groups through this time of transition, because we can see that people are really struggling right now. I mean, we work with pretty big groups of people and uh, a lot of people are now going through similar renditions of kind of what I through, went through for the last decade. So um, we're just guiding people through that process and it's really profound and intense and it's really what, what we're here for. Mm. Besides like yoga and meditation, um... In terms of like when you're working in these group settings, what are the main things that you utilize with your with the, your clients in these group programs? Yeah, so definitely, I think a foundation of basic uh, Jungian psychology, like understanding shadow work, understanding projection, is really key. Getting people to work with their triggers in a somatic way, process them. Um, we also work with the modality called IFS, Internal Family Systems Therapy, which basically works with different subpersonalities that we all have, you know, um, and teaches people to identify the difference between their subpersonalities and their true self. So 
it's really a holistic integrative approach and Bernhard really goes into the occult, the matrix control system as well and the more esoteric spiritual side of it. So, I mean, we do everything. We, 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 we really try and get people on a consistent spiritual practice and then we lead them through psychological inner work while they're, while they're kind of anchoring these higher frequencies. So um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. It's, it's really multi-pronged. It's a pretty yeah. depth program. No, I, I, I love it. I mean, I love getting into all this stuff and geeking out on it. Um, something that had a huge impact on my life, like 15 years ago, one of my first acting teachers was trained in something called voice dialogue, the psychology of the selves and the aware, and the aware ego. And it was all about interviewing different parts of your psyche and they call mm -hmm. them subpersonalities and, and, you know, uh, seeing what you over identified with and what you were repressing and just hearing the voice of these other parts of us that maybe have been repressed or undeveloped. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of um, people talking about uh, IFS. I haven't, I haven't delved into it, but it uh, sounds pretty awesome and cool and powerful. Yeah, it's just one methodology. I find it really goes well with contemplative practices because when you're meditating, sometimes since we don't really have these, like, you know, not everyone wants to become a Buddhist or Hinduist or go into these kind of spiritual traditions. So I found when I was meditating, I was like, okay, but what is the true self, you know, mm -hmm. and learning different ways to identify, you know, true nature versus the parts of ourselves, which is not true nature can kind of help you nudge you in the right direction. Because when you meditate, I find that you just, you open up a whole bunch of stuff if you're doing it in an embodied way. Um, and so you have to kind of know what you're trying to orient towards. Otherwise you can easily kind of go down the wrong path, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how do you meditate in, in, in an embodied way? I mean, meditation, I know something's very different for, for everybody um, and it's experienced differently for everybody as well. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to just know on a basic level from your perspective, um, the process of meditation. Yeah. Um, well, I learned uh, the kind of meditation I practice from a teacher called Reggie Ray, who was taught by Chongyin Trumpa, who's pretty infamous mm -hmm. in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, lineage. Um, and he really focuses a lot on just kind of staying in the body, specifically in the yin space, which is the lower belly. So doing lots of like lower belly breathing, body scanning, I mean, just generally speaking, just staying in your body with awareness, feeling whatever it is you're feeling and allowing those feelings to be processed to completion is my general philosophy. So you can find that in many different meditative traditions. For some people, actually, the form of meditation that I practice would not necessarily work with them because their mind is too active, in which case maybe even working with a mantra or some sort of, you know, something to keep their mind busy is better. Um, but I find that meditation, the point of meditation is just to arrive into your human experience, basically. And a lot of us basically hold a backlog of unprocessed emotions and experiences in the body, actually. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I've gone deep on like meditative retreats, I've unlocked even ancestral traumas that were held in my body and all sorts of stuff that I didn't consciously remember until I went deep. So I really feel like, I mean, the Buddha said it himself, the body is really the gateway to an enlightened experience, basically. So you can do that any way you like, you know, but I find this kind of like astral projecting out of body kind of stuff won't help you arrive to that human experience, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. I mean, I'm a body worker by trade as well. And 
you know, whatever I can do to help people get more in touch with their body. And I feel like sometimes meditation is used. You brought up the term spiritual bypass before. Sometimes it's used as a form of spiritual bypassing to yes. not even to disconnect, to dissociate from the body. So, um, you know, you're speaking my language. You hit the nail on the head in terms of like, when you think about a process of enlightenment, it's like, how can we have that, ex that human experience and how can we notice what's going on moment to moment and have that relationship with our, with our soma? It's, it's just so, so freaking important, yes. I find. Yeah, and it also goes the opposite of how the world operates, right? It's like a very left brain dominated world where we're kind of meant to override our body for the sake of whatever it is our left brain is telling us to do. So you really learn to kind of reverse the way that you operate within the world, which is like it's a game changer. And then you have to adjust to to, to being in the world in a different way. So there's so many subtle dimensions of experience. And I'm still trying now. I mean, now is the hardest time to stay embodied because of the intensity of the energies we're dealing with, the shift of consciousness, the transformation, you know, but I think that's really, you know, if you think about the kind of the bigger agenda that's going on, it's really to dislodge the soul from the body. And that's been happening through, you know, not just whatever the job going on, but pharmaceuticals, mainstream medicine, just this kind of like, um, disassociative culture we have where we're just stuck on our phones and just kind of focused on information, you know? So, um, so yeah, like it just, it's, it's really intense to actually be in the body. That's the kind of like crux of the situation because we have to be present with our human experience, which I think for a lot of people is a lot right now, you know, which is why they're getting kind of trapped in information overload and like looking for saviors and whatnot, you know? Um, but it really comes down to like, can we stay with our soul in our body through these intense experiences um, and really anchor something higher as well? Like I, I, I personally feel since 2020, there's been a also collective, even probably before then, um, there's an Im immense amount of spiritualization that wants to anchor itself down into people for people who have cleared the channels to receive it so even though we're kind of getting dragged down to the depths of like you know um you know the shadows of humanity are all getting revealed there's also a, a, a there is a collective awakening happening as well and has been going on for for at least a decade now at least since i've been part of it yeah absolutely um my my, my path really changed more than anything when I began to incorporate the soma, you know, in a real, in a really profound way. Um, and what I discovered was that, you know, the culture gives us so many gateways to escape the body. Um, and it also gives us so many opportunities to um, create circumstances and issues within ourselves where we don't want to be in the body through the malignant culture, be it, you mean the constant violence that we're exposed to, um porn culture all these all these different things where it's we, we we feel as though it's too difficult to actually face our shadows and actually deal with what we've culminated and created for ourselves over the course of our lives and we hear about shadow work so often but for me what changed the game for me was understanding the body as the shadow and that the body holding holding the shadow and holding all those repressions and yeah, for me, meditation doesn't really work for me. Maybe I do have more of, more of an active mind, but what I found was Qigong and Tai Chi and something where I can involve my body a bit more, allow me to really um, hone in and feel what my body needed to be, what my body needed to feel during those times. Um, 
So yeah, that was that was super important. And yeah, you're right. I mean, as we deal with these shadows, as we move through it, we we create space and we create space for ourselves as well, right? Because I think what we're seeing more than anything is this epidemic of inauthenticity at the moment. And that's because people, they're not actually holding space for themselves within their own vessels, but as they begin to work through those shadows, then there's more space for them to fill, fill, fill that void, you know? Um, and yeah, just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, and I think also what people are struggling with is we're, you know, if you look at it from evolutionary astrology, um, Aquarius, 11th house, Uranus, this is about the individuation process. Mm -hmm. And this is the house and sign before Pisces, before the sign where we return to the everything, the all. And I think a lot of people, you know, with the authenticity thing is they are struggling to be, know who they really are, you know, what's unique about them. And, and they've been conditioned by culture, like immensely. I mean, even myself, like I was really interested in spirituality very young. I was exposed to spirituality very young because my parents were in an organization called Siddha Yoga. So they were part of the whole thing with the hippies going to the uh, India and getting gurus and stuff. So I was exposed to spiritual concepts very young. And in spite of that, I was conditioned by culture and especially, I guess what you could call postmodernism. And through my journey since 2012, a lot of it has been this deconditioning process of all the beliefs that were downloaded into me via culture, you know? And I think a lot of people are struggling with that right now. So, you know, if you are, if you are an individuated person, you're okay being authentic, you're okay being who you are, you're okay speaking your truth and upsetting people because you know yourself. And for a lot of people, I think there's this fundamental insecurity because they're still looking for belonging in the dying culture, basically. Yeah. You know, They're not willing to let go of relationships and even family relationships and old friends because they're scared of what they might think of them. So, yeah. you know, and the reason being is that when you make the, the, the switch from kind of Saturn level of reality where you're kind of getting along with society in order to get approval to the Aquarius Uranus lesson is the self, the true self becomes a central resource. So you don't look for validation in the world. You're looking for validation from you living in alignment with who you truly are. And that's easier said than done because what comes up is all of the conditioning, all of the wounds from childhood, all of the ways that we look for approval in the outer world. You know, a lot of, we talked about this in our course a lot, but a lot of the things that people want in life those aren't their real desires that's been programmed into them via culture right mm. and i think in many ways too the spiritual path gets hijacked by this kind of spiritual materialism where people want to engage in self-work but only because they want something out of it they don't want to do it to have a connection to the divine or something it's just because they think they're going to get something out of it so that's the shift that needs to happen there almost needs to be this larger sense of faith that something beyond this world can fulfill you i guess you could say mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting i was talking about this the other day that i found especially during travels where i've spent time at different meditation centers or retreat centers and i've met people who have done like a complete flip where they were like hardcore corporate bankers etc and then they just completely flip and exchange one kind of attachment and identity to like no i'm now the spiritual person and everything's great <laughs> and love yeah. and light and we're just going to sit here and hug each other all day and there's there's only positivity 
And, you know, while that's, I think, a place on the journey from disconnecting from the matrix, it's still, you're just attaching to something else as your identity, you know, so it doesn't feel like it has that quality of truth to it. Like when you do go through these deep, deep um, processes of shadow work and just, you know, lying on the floor and weeping and holding space for that and snot coming out of your nose and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious if you could talk about that. Yeah, I want you to talk about that a little bit because you had said you had experienced during your journey a little spiritual bypassing. Plus, I also am curious about this postmodernism and being a social justice warrior and and the deconditioning from that. I'd love to hear your journey and story on that as well. Yeah, so uh, let me. Okay, so, which one should I start with, the postmodernism or the other part? Whatever you feel. Yeah, I think it's normal, like the ego. What you talk about, like everyone replaces their regular matrix ego with a new spiritual ego. You know. And then that's another layer of deconditioning as well. And the point is, is just to arrive at just being a real human. Like you don't need to adopt this weird spiritual avatar. Like you're a special light worker all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, just be a human, like try doing that. Cause that's really hard. Um, and then the, and then the, uh, the postmodernism, I mean, yeah, that's something I'm still deconditioning now because the thing is, is a lot of my own beliefs and the things that I cared about do link up with that kind of culture so basically to give you the rundown um you know it was i've just grew up around liberal progressive types in canada you know as part of the culture i lived in i when i was a teenager i was like kind of like a punk rock hippie type like anti-authority anti-mainstream not quite a feminist but i did read a lot of feminist authors you know Um, And I just was uh, just a hardcore rebel really young. And I actually used to skateboard to a job that I had at a pot cafe. And I thought I was like this huge badass. And this is before Antifa. This is like pre-Antifa kind of rebellion and just kind of blaming the mainstream media, corporations for everything, you know. And basically I really identified with the plight of indigenous people which I still do, and in general, environmental causes. So that was kind of the hook where I got started getting conditioned by some postmodernist theory. That was that was kind of how it hooked into me. So it started to fuse into this game of identity politics, right? Like oppressor, oppressed. And the more oppressed a culture was, the more empathy I had for them. But at the crux of this, and I really only discovered this, I think in 2016 or 2017, and like years into my own healing journey, when I started doing uh, family constellation work, which is like working with ancestral trauma, basically. And I could see through working with my Japanese ancestors who were actually all put into internment camps in World War II, including my father. My father was born in an internment camp. So they did really experience racism before, during, after the war. So did my brothers, but I could see how my activism was being informed by unhealed wounds via that trauma, basically. So, and I, and I see that happening in the world right now, you know, is like, even with all the protests going on in, in, in America last year, it just the depth of the unhealed trauma and the projection going on was just reminding me of myself in many ways. So I started speaking out against that. People called me evil, white supremacist. They canceled me and all sorts of stuff. That was also a really good initiation for my own individuation process. But basically a lot of this ideology that I think is really prevalent in millennials and the, and the generation below that is being informed by Marxism. And I didn't even realize that because it was just part of the culture. Like you grow up, you 
become a part of the world and you get conditioned by this culture. Mm -hmm. So when I kind of uh, turned my life to the spiritual path in 2012 and I really committed to healing, I could see that this ideology that I had thought was the way the world was, it was really toxic. It involved a lot of shadow projection and it was just far from love. Like it was not helping my relationships to blame white men for everything at all. And I could see that clearly. I was like, this is not right. You know, there was something in my conscience that saw that. So I just, I basically just started to question everything. And as I started doing that, all the ide ideologies collapsed and I could see how manipulative and backwards they had become. So, you know, I think that that's kind of the journey we're on right now. And for me, that's like kind of the deeper question is like, I think there is a, um, an ideology which is really removed from nature, which is really removed from truth, which has become really prevalent in society. And I don't know how we're gonna decondition ourselves collectively from this. It's taken over the schools, it's taken over you know, the mainstream media. It's like, it's everywhere now. Like this was, this was a niche when I was into this kind of um, ideology and now it's hit the mainstream. So, yeah. yeah. You know, there's uh, it's a video I recommend to people all the time, and it's uh, Yuri Bezmanov's interview with G. Edward Griffin about ideological mm -hmm. subversion. Uh, it's such a good go-to to really see how things have uh, have gone and, and how something can be a niche, and then within 10, 15 years, it becomes part of the mainstream, which, you know, you talked about how back, back in the days, you were, like, riding your skateboard. You're like, fuck the system, fuck corporate America, fuck all this. But then here we are today where people who identify more as progressive or liberal are identifying and in alignment with these huge establishments, you know, whether it's big government, big pharma, big tech, mainstream media. And it's just, I don't know, it just, I, it just blows my mind, you know, where we're, and I, I'm not trying to play this right left game because I, I'm a human being, I'm an independent thinker. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, I'm this side of the political sex spectrum. But when I see people who, consider themselves to be super all about inclusivity and all about tolerance and and um, caring about um, these really intense these these issues and yet at the same time they're like they just can't even handle the fact that you would think differently yeah. than them in some ways so I don't know it's just it's just interesting to see you know even the whole thing about like someone like like rage against the machine you know like <laughs> I, I listened to that shit man when I was younger and it's like yeah and here they are playing a, a jab only concert, you know, like yeah. how ironic. Yeah, I think it's just a test, you know, you really don't know who's going to pass this test, like someone who could be, you know, who you thought was very spiritually and self-aware is, is falling for the agenda and people who maybe aren't so spiritually self-aware are seeing through the pandemic. It's amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. Because I think that, and, and I don't know, I think it really is just a test. And I think it's about individuation. Like you can't skip the individuation process on a spiritual path. And I think that's what this is highlighting. Like if you can't think for yourself and you can't be your own person, then you're going to have this, your sense of who you are conditioned by culture. It's just a fact. And I think, you know, it's really important. We just examine ourselves and think about like, okay, what do I believe? Why do I believe that? What do I value in life? Why do I value that? Like, what am I even doing in life? And why am I doing that? And be ruthlessly honest with ourselves. But the truth is, is most people don't want to be honest with themselves. Because if you open up that can of worms, like it can just, honestly, if you're living a lie, it can rearrange your whole life. So I think that that process is, is really important on the spiritual path. And a lot of people skip it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm blown away by what you said before, even around like the different types of people that I thought wouldn't be falling for this and the ones that aren't. And I think sometimes we like, we put people on, I won't say put people on a pedestal, but we go, oh, well, that person's spiritual. They're, they're, they're wearing the clothes and they're, they're saying the right things. Like, of course they would be coming from this enlightened higher place. Meanwhile, someone who's just, you know, living in their small town, you know, you know, working on their land, uh, doing their job. And they're just like, immediately they're like, nah, I ain't, I ain't about this shit. Like, forget it. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see. It's been even humbling for me to be like, oh, wow, people I thought wouldn't are and people that I thought would aren't. So it's very yeah. interesting. Part yeah. of part of the beauty of what's going on now is that there's a much clearer metric or barometer as to as, as to where people are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In terms of the whole scamdemic that, that that's taken place. Um, and you kind of get a little glimpse as to who's actually been doing the work and who hasn't. Um, you know I mean, not not to stereotype, but stereotyping based on where they're standing in terms of, you know what I mean? forced forced jabs and and mandates and and lockdowns and just buying into the outrageous lies because i mean you know you know you know where i stand on this erasmus but as above so below as within so without you know the lies that they're willing to accept externally in the world to me just shows me a glimpse as to the lies that they haven't dealt with within themselves you know the shadows that we fall for without are the shadows that are are, are unhealed within um and there's so many people still clinging to this identity um, which is why they're so easily being able to be manipulated to, to falling for this agenda. But the issue is, like, as you mentioned, you mean it's, it's a dying culture. Babylon is collapsing. And anything that's identified with that is going to crumble along at the same time. And such, this is why it's such a painful process for so many people, because they're either forced to decide and have a look and do, do the work and figure out what their actual identity is, who they actually are, what their real intrinsic values are, Um or, you know what I mean? They're just going to continue to get dragged along by whatever these puppet masters say. Yeah, and also it is like, it will be presented with a new test. Personally, I think that it's very, it would be a very wise decision for us to get comfortable with death and grieving, especially as the nodes switch to Taurus and Scorpio, which is happening, I think, in a couple of weeks. Um, because, you know, we're already seeing a lot of injuries, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of, I, I think it's, I think it's going to get pretty intense. I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. So I tend to be like, okay, let's get as down and dirty as possible. Um, and then what you're going to see too, I think in this next stage is like a lot of people are going to spiritually bypass because it takes really strong people to look at, to like grieve and look at what's going to happen. You know, um, so we'll see, you know, I think that the Scorpio kind of people who have been dragged to hell and back will have their work cut out for them because we're the kind of people who can kind of um, hold the light, I guess you could say, you know, like I, I think I wrote something where the people who know how to rebirth themselves will know how to rebirth the, tr- the, the, the earth too, because we're in this period of uh, the dawning of a new era, you know, the dawning of a new consciousness, the dawning of a new age. And a lot of people are still clinging on to the old world and that will just get more and more frustrating and cause more and more suffering. However, there's an opportunity, you know, because we are entering a new age and we're entering this kind of Aquarius Leo access. um, So, you know, for people who are willing to make the jump, they can make quantum leaps in consciousness, but it's the people who are resisting that evolutionary process who are going to suffer. So for example, like 
if your value is, is like, I value my own bodily and autonomy and I don't want to put anything in it that goes, that doesn't feel right for my body. And you've been working as a nurse for years and you have to quit your job, you know, then that's a turning point. If you stay with your old job, you're kind of staying with the old world. If you're willing to quit and apply your skills and your own, you know, unique gifts to something new, you can make that jump. But I think that a lot of people are actually scared to make that jump. Yeah. And that's what, that's what they're prying on. They're prying on people being unwilling to, to make that jump. And ultimately that's, I feel like they're just trying to grab the lowest density of, of the collective as well um, because of just the way it's targeted. And I mean, how obvious it is at this point, you know what I mean? Um, and this is why I consider the the real shift or the real transition. I mean, talk about Aquarius is we've, the healing that needs to take place is moving from a collectivist ideology into individualism on some level, you know, and understanding ourselves as unique individuals, because for so long, we've just been gaslighted by this culture that's tried to tell us who we are, how we should behave, what, what, what we stand for, what's right, what's wrong. And we're so disconnected from natural morality or what morality is in general. We don't even know what that is within ourselves. Yes. And uh, the process of that is, is the, you have, to, you have to figure that out on your own, you know, and most yeah. people, they're just still so conditioned to look for someone else that has the answers, someone who kind of believes the same thing that they believe, then try follow and copy everything that they're doing. But part of this process is that there's no two paths the same. You know, there's no there's no one path to doing the work or to spirituality or to whatever it is. It's having to sit there and decide and make choices and make decisions. And that's that, that that's difficult when for the most part, we we've never really had that inherent rite of passage of moving into adulthood because we're still looking to the government as father and to farmer as, as mummy, you know, and to be like, Oh shit, I've got to be, I've got to be, hold myself accountable for my own decisions. You know, that's, that's, that's a place that a lot of people aren't willing to go still. Yeah. Personal responsibility is a huge part of that, right? You have to take responsibility for your own personal karma in order to actually move into the individuation process as well. And a lot of people are still looking for someone to blame, you know, whether it's in our, in our circles, it's like entities or I'm being psychically attacked, you know, and other people it's like, oh, it's the, it's, uh, it's institution, it's, it's institutional racism. That's the reason that I'm having these struggles, you know, so we're always looking for someone to blame and personal responsibility means you have to be responsible for everything. Like even with myself and my own healing journey, I had to take responsibility for even stuff that happened in past lifetimes that led me to the lifetime that set me up in this lifetime. And that's kind of like this, this uh, Pandora's box, you know, to realize that if we've been abused in one lifetime, we have maybe been the abuser in other lifetimes. And I really like what Jordan um, Peterson says, even though I don't agree with a lot of the things he does now, including doing jabbed only, yeah. uh, jabbed only tour. But he says that when you read history, you need to read us as, as a perpetrator. And I think that that's a good way of doing shadow work because a lot of us who want to identify as the hero in history, but if we read it as a perpetrator, we can really start to see how, you know, all of us carry the seed for evil within us. And to the extent that we're aware of that side of ourselves and we can really understand that part of our nature is to the extent we have conscious choice over it, you know? Mm -hmm. but, and, it's a, and, it, and, and it really is this deep unraveling of personal responsibility. I think even in our courses, we go into evolutionary astrology, which really looks at the effects of Pluto on Uranus. 
and looking at more um, evolutionary trauma, meaning trauma that's happened over lifetimes. Like, I think that that's coming up now. And a lot of us, for example, who speak truth, you know, we may have really strong Uranus signatures in our chart and we've been burned at the stake and killed and really ostracized for speaking truth like we are now, you know, we're not getting killed yet, but you know, it's, it's bringing up that memory from the deeper, the deeper levels of mind. So I think that, you know, we're not only taking personal responsibility for ourselves and our own healing journey and our own ancestral lineage, but we're taking personal responsibility for all of the previous lifetimes that led to this point. Hmm. yeah it's um it's so funny you mentioned that i think, I think the word for it is, is is atavistic it's it's this ancestral mind all these ancestral memories that that, that come up and I, I want to know your opinion on this because i've dealt with some of this stuff myself and a lot of people talk about you know what i mean um past lifetime healing and trauma and stuff like that like i've, I've had an experience where I had these ongoing dreams of, of a past lifetime and I was literally like a savage, like raiding these villages. And like, it was, it was super intense. And like, you mean it involved other people as well. Um, and this was an ongoing thing for me. And this was something I had to deal with And like, but like, how does someone know what's, what's real and what's not in that realm? You know, how do you, how do you come to, is, is there an objective standpoint of, wow, this was a past lifetime for me that you mean, or is it more so just yeah though the, that that feeling that that memory that you know that that resonance yeah i think well the the way that you know so uranus in evolutionary astrology uh represents the memories that we carry from pre-birth states from bardo states and from other lifetimes and how that usually comes through to us is through dreams, imaginative, active imaginative processes. And it's yeah. very hard for people to kind of trust those intuitive realms until yeah. you start kind of living in that space, right? It also goes against the conditioning of the world. They're like, oh, you're just making it up, right? But I, I would say that especially the dreams, you know, and you can kind of tell because my dreams are just really weird and bizarre unless they're past lifetime dreams. And then they're very clear and the narrative is very and they just kind of hit you a little bit differently, too. You know, so I think the, the dream world is a really great place to unlock those past lifetime memories. Like even when all of this stuff was happening last year and we were getting like canceled and whatnot, I was having dreams of um it was that we were kind of in this movement where we were rising up against the, the government, basically similar to what's happening now. And it was crazy because there were kids that were marching in this revolutionary movement. I don't know when it was from, you know, and it was actually exactly when the transiting South node was hitting my Uranus in the sixth house, activating those memories. So I think, you know, a lot of us, um, especially more intuitive types, we start to get little inklings of this, you know, throughout our day, even through synchronicities and stuff. But the problem is, is we don't know how to read it and we don't trust it as well. So um, it kind of, it, it, it comes through um, this different level of mind that we're used to, like even the level of mind that we're communicating with right now, which is more the Gemini level of mind, it comes through this more subtle layer of mind. And it actually comes through a lot of the time is like really intense core beliefs. So like, if I speak out, I'll be killed kind of stuff, you know, they're really over almost like, um, 
And, and they may not necessarily be able to link with a memory that happens in this lifetime. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I make the distinction. So I don't have any memories of this kind of dream that I was telling you about. It was another culture. It was another, you know, era of time, you know? So I think there's yeah. many different kinds of dreams that we can have. And um, especially when you start to, at least is what I found. I have a North Node in the 12th house. So this is also maybe why it's been part of my path, but it just starts to unlock, you know, once you open yourself up to that realm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I also find too, well, Joel, you can go. No, I was going to say, I, I, I definitely hear you in, in that regard as well. It's, 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 it's little, it comes down to, yeah, for sure. Trusting those other realms, trusting your own intuition um, and, and, and leaning into that. It's, it's, it's quite, it can be quite subtle at times. Um, but at the same time, once you begin to play with dream work and active imagination and right brain consciousness, you, right, you, 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 you begin to develop intuition as a result of this in actually trusting yourself and making decisions and acting according to you, according to your intuition, according to what's coming up and actually considering that as holding purpose and holding meaning as opposed to just being nothing and random and, you know what I mean, um, my anything other than the, the material world is, is, is meaningless to my reality. And I found in my process that was the same kind of way that I began to deal with my shadows was that there'd be little whispers coming up, little things coming up which were saying you need to resolve this, something needs to be sorted out. And for the longest time, my, my monkey mind was like, no, I can't go there. I can't deal with that. That can't be the path. But it'll just continue to pry and sh have show different ways to present itself consciously and unconsciously in your reality. And so it's like, all right, this must be the path. I have to deal with that. And once you begin to trust what comes up and then act based on what's coming up, that's when you really develop and strengthen intuition, I found, because that voice becomes louder as a result as well. For yeah. sure, exactly. And that's the main thing is that people don't listen to that voice. So you made the decision to consciously engage with the evolutionary process. And the majority of problems and frustrations and difficulties people face is because they ignore that voice. And they're like, oh, just suppress, 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 suppress. And then a decade later, what? and the reason I don't recommend doing that is just understanding how Pluto works, especially on an evolutionary basis, is that you suppress what you are setting yourself up for later is what's called cataclysmic uh, evolution through an outer event. So maybe, you know, for like a decade that you're supposed to leave a marriage, you know, and you just ignore this voice in your head and you just kind of shut yourself down in order to survive. And then eventually your partner walks through the door and it's like, Hey, I'm leaving you. You know, that's the cataclysmic event that hits you. So that's why I recommend, you know, just as you did that people consciously listen to that voice and engage with the evolutionary process, because in that way, in your, at least in your own personal evolution, you're, you're choosing more of a steady growth than a cataclysmic growth. Because mm -hmm. you can't, and especially when we're going through this Pluto transit, the Pluto return in the US, you know, um, and Scorpio is going to be, uh, the nodes are switching to the Taurus Scorpio axis. Is like people really have to be willing to respond to that. And just, I, I mean, I have Pluto on my son and I've always felt that there was this evolutionary force kind of hunting me down almost like, and if I didn't solve a problem when it started showing itself, it would blow up in my face later. So I did, made the conscious decision that I was going to, you know, act on those things on a daily basis, you know, and it's not easy because we have to be open to change every single day, yeah. basically. I think yeah, that's why... Sorry, man. Yeah, just quickly. Yeah, no, it, no, it's not easy. No. I'm I'm 29th degree Scorpio sun as well, and I, I feel you. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, 
you know, we talk about dreams and there, I think there could be so many ways to, to take them in, but, you know, Carl Jung, I believe said, you know, dreams are messages from God. Yes. So I think, uh, you know, from, even from a depth psychological standpoint, you know, these dreams, these, these images, these energies, these qualities can represent those parts of us that, you know, we haven't integrated that we haven't, you know, um, even maybe even developed. And so I, I find it in, in my life, you know, there's that knock on the door from the unconscious to go, hey, integrate me or pay attention to me, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think also what I found, even when I've slowed down my mind, maybe I've spent more time in nature is that I get to connect to that wisdom and that intelligence in a much deeper way. And so I think when you think about these architects of control, these social engineers, you know, part of this whole, like, let's take us, let's distract you as much as you can. Let's take you away from more of that right brain thinking from that, from the imagery, from the art, from the unconscious, you know, that's part of it is that like, we're going to try to disconnect you from that intuition and from that wisdom that's literally presenting itself to you. You can say every night, you know, that, yeah. that has that has this knowledge for you yeah and 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 we have to have the will to you know focus on what really matters to us and and the discipline to develop ourselves in that ways in this kind of world because we live in this attention economy you know even myself especially 2020 last year i just found myself scrolling through twitter like looking for some sort of like answer you know because we want to find certainty in the outer world you know and then there was a shift in 2021 where i just kind of like took a step back and returned to myself. I was like, no, I got to really maintain my connection to God just for the people that we work with at the very least, you know, because I, I can see it's getting worse than I guess I anticipated, even though, you know, I'm sure many people listen to Bernhard, he, he knows what's going to go on and what's what the agenda has for a long time, you know, but it's really maintaining the, I, I've said it so many times in so many different ways, but we need to maintain a connection to a higher power or God or whatever you want to call it to survive this, you know? And that's really the ultimate Scorpio lesson is that it pushes us to our limits, you know? And in me, it literally pushed me to the brink of death, basically, in order for us to regenerate the spiritual power to reach past that impasse and gain a new level of ourselves. You know, that's the phoenix rebirthing, you know? So just when we think we're being pushed to our limit is usually when we gain the spiritual strength to break through and we have a breakthrough, right? And I think that's what may be needed for people who are kind of ignoring those little calls from the deeper self is that they're going to get pushed and pushed and pushed until they get put to the brink and then it's like can you generate the spiritual strength to reach this next phase of you you know or are you going to collapse so that's that's a choice we all have to make mm -hmm. what do you um what do you think is going to occur in the next year oh my gosh personally speaking and even from a you know you're a a student of astrology, uh, yeah. teacher of astrology, like what do you, even on that level, what's, what's happening? So um, the next year, I guess it depends where you are, right? Like I, I think everything that's affecting the U.S. will affect the entire world. I think a lot of what we're seeing building up. So we see these kind of like revolutions arising and I think that will come to the forefront when Pluto enters Aquarius, I think in 2023. You know, so we're kind of seeing a buildup to like a worldwide revolution. I think that's the case. I mean, Pluto and Aquarius can also mean mass trauma as well. It can mean mass individuation. You know, it's a mass of people going through an Aquarius process is a good way to look at it. Um, and for the next year, you know, I think we 
in, in the US in particular, you know, because I live, I live here now, I'm actually from Canada originally, we are going to go through a collective dark night of the soul. It's already happening, you know, and as everyone knows, a lot of people who study astrology, you know, with Pluto, Pluto tends to bring up what's been suppressed and buried, you know, so the Pluto return, especially the second eighth house access, like it is really about survival and the resources that you have to survive. So you're gonna see like economic struggles, inflation's already happening and people losing their job, being put into survival mode in Capricorn. It's also just the changing of the old guard. You know, I think that with Pluto and Capricorn, especially we're gonna see a lot of more corruption being exposed in government power structures in general. Um, so, I think also, and I don't know, I just have my ideas. I'm not really good at predict, I'm not really a predictive yeah. astrologer, but I have my ideas based on what I see happening too. Um, the Jeffrey Epstein case seems like it's connected to a lot of people in high positions of power. So that could be part of the whole expose. I don't know yet. Um, what else? I kind of made some notes. I just um, want to say real quickly, I love, right before you mentioned Jeffrey Epstein, what popped into my head was, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And then you just said Jeffrey. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I mean, he was connected to so many of these powerful people and their deepest shadows, right? So this could be a bit of a domino that kind of exposes a lot of that, right? I also Mm -hmm. think there's going to be a changing in the banking, economics uh, uh, system, even health system, you know, um, and just we're going to have to come to terms with this massive amount of collective debt through, you know, all of the bailouts we've given for the for the last year. You know, the second house also represents the core values of the United States that it was founded upon, which seems like it's going through a revolution, you know. So what I'm keeping my eyes out for is anything that has to do with a constitutional crisis. Cause I think that that is, it's going to be on a big level. Like the values of the United States is changing. I don't know which way it's going to go into because it's really about the collective consciousness, right? It's like, we each have our own piece of the puzzle on whether, what direction we evolve in, you know? Um, so definitely um, some economic struggles is a part of it, but also just, you know, a lot of people are going to get kicked into survival mode on a basic physical level, you know, and that survival mode is actually meant to help them generate a new sense of spiritual power, I feel. So we're going to, I mean, I personally think it's going to get crazy and I'm ready for it, but um, a lot of people are going to have to really be pushed to their limits in order for them to, you know, uncover those hidden strengths, I guess you could say. You know, I think a lot of people, especially when we work in retreats, like I think the biggest obstacle for people who want some sort of healing in their lives is they want one part of their life to stay the same mm-hmm. and they're willing to change mm-hmm. other parts, you know, and I think especially with the Scorpio archetype, we have to be comfortable with change and with getting rid of whatever is causing stagnancy for us, whether that's a marriage of 20 years, whether that's a job that we spend a lot of money to train for, you know. Like it all has to burn in the ashes if it's not serving our higher spiritual evolution. And so we're each going to be called to do that in our own way, you know, and it's kind of what Joel said is like, you know, like you can consciously engage with that process of evolution or you can resist it. And if we collectively resist it, then we will see more cataclysmic changes, even in even in natural disasters and all of these earth changes that we saw. I don't know if you saw, but in Vancouver, Canada, there was all these floods all of a sudden, you know, 
This is the response to the collective consciousness and what we're trying to suppress. So we're going to see it with earth changes as well. And then what's going to happen is they're going to blame climate change and whatnot and externalize it on another level, you know? So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, those we're are just, just kind of ideas I have on what, what could happen. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I mean, we're just here having a dialogue conversation, you know, I'm not going to come back in a year and be like, well, um, Laura, you said this on uh, <laughs> the date is today, 12, six, uh, your prediction didn't come true. You're canceled. Yeah. Well, I'm not, the thing is, is cause like, I'm, I, I really, uh, I highly recommend anyone who's getting into astrology to look into the work of Dana Rudyard, who was really the forefathers of astrology as we know it today. And he really makes a point that, you know, it is up to the consciousness that creates the chart. So we think the natal chart tells us everything about a person and evolutionary astrology. The concept is, is that the consciousness that's interacting with the chart creates the chart. And I feel like that, you know, so take the Pluto return of the U.S. as its own chart, you know, um, and the consciousness of all the people involved in this is affecting the chart as we speak as yep. well. So it's like we need a lot with Pluto. It's like we need a lot of people to create a massive change and you see it happening, you know. But I think the main thing as well is that people um, are almost like they're externalizing things, even 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 the political sphere or whatever, you know, you see the battle between the right and the left, you know, and both of them are just shadow projecting as well. Like it's not like it has to be at a new level of consciousness, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so that's why we dedicate ourselves to doing this kind of work where we talk about what's going on in the world. And then we're like, OK, but what is your own personal shadow and what's your own personal transformation that needs to take place within this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation with people where everyone wants to talk about this politician will make the changes and that politician will make the changes and that external thing will happen. And, and we just have to, we have to, you know, make sure that we have legit elections and, and I go, okay, you know, there's, there's some, you know, merit to, to rooting out corruption, but where does it start? But the corruption within ourselves, within our souls. Yes. You know, like that's where it's going to start. It is a change, a shift in consciousness that's required. And when that happens, then we'll see what happens. But everyone's just like, no, 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 that needs to be fixed. It's always outside yourself, always outside yourself. And it's yeah. like that, that saying it's so corny, but you, you know, you point a finger, three are pointing back at you. It's like, come on, like, like look in the mirror, be real. Yeah. Yeah. No one, no one is definitely coming to save us from this one. I don't no. think we're no. just going to have to go through it. And I mean, it's going to be like, I, what I like to do is I, I, I like to envision the timeline that I would like to see happen. Yes. And I just think about how good it would feel to know that through the process of our own spiritual evolution, we toppled a global totalitarian dictatorship. Like that's gonna be, that, that would be amazing, right? Like to think that we, the people rose up and did that. And I think that's really gonna be, you know, the anthem is like, we, the people are gonna save ourselves, you know? And so we're gonna see that. And I, I mean, Pluto and Aquarius is gonna, I, I really feel we're gonna see a worldwide revolution, you know? So we'll see how that goes, but- um, I'm excited, actually. Part of me is excited, and a part of me is like, oh, shit, I can't believe it's getting that bad. And the other part is like, oh, my God, this is awesome. You know, and I kind of go back and forth between the two extremes throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. And, like, we speak about these cataclysmic events that can occur when we decide to repress shadows for a long period of time as opposed to dealing with them. I mean, really, isn't this entire event, that, that, that cataclysm, isn't, yeah. isn't the collective facing a shadow that they've been ignorant of 
um, willingly for, for the longest of time. And so there's a universal reconciling happening right now. There's checks and balances being taken place for what wasn't dealt with for so long, you know? Um, and to me, it is very exciting too. Like I'm pretty much in the forefront of, um, you mean the, 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 the Australian protests and the Australian rallies. I speak at a lot of them and I perform at a lot of them as well. I'm a conscious hip hop artist. And just these events themselves, like I remember they, they, they go from 30 people three years ago to 3,000 people a couple of years ago to 150,000 people last weekend in, in Sydney, you know, and mm. it doubles, triples, if not quadruples each time that these, these, these events take place. And this isn't going anywhere. These people aren't going away. It's not like there's going to be a, 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 a comatose taking place for all these people that have now awakened to the reality of what's going on and are beginning to question things like the genie is never going back in the bottle. So it's just crazy to think what's actually going to occur when this comes to a head and there's millions of people in the street going, what the fuck, you know, yeah. and it's, it's coming. It's, it's not going away. It's never, it's not going to regress intrinsically within myself. I know that. So I just, no. it's very curious as to how things are going yeah, to Yeah, I know. I know we're at a turning point. I think Australia is going through its first revolution. You know, it's a very young country still, and you guys haven't really had any, any major kind of um, political events like this, yeah. you know, so Australia has its own karma as well to deal with and its own kind of process of just individuation, I think, you know, and each country has its own process to go through. And I don't know if you saw what's happening in Germany and Austria, mm -hmm. like history repeating itself, you know? So a lot of like, and this is what the evolutionary trauma I was like speaking about is like a lot of people, you know, especially the German people, maybe it's because Bernhard's German and I've really meditated kind of a lot and seen a lot of how that trauma of World War II impacted the German people but they didn't actually resolve their trauma, you know, they just suppressed it. And now it's coming back. The shadows of their trauma is coming back as they kind of clamp down and they just, they're not allowing vaccinated people to go to the grocery store. So lockdown for the, sorry, lockdown for the unvaccinated and the vaccinated get to have their lives back, you know? And so to the extent that the country itself has not dealt with their shadows is to the extent that they have to deal with stuff too, right? Yeah, it works and on every level. And also does have its own shadows. You know, it does, It like, I, I don't want to like, take the other side and like even though like personally I, I I agree with the patriots and I understand why all the Americans held on to their guns for so long you know but they also have their own issues to deal with you know so we can't just look like okay like I'm just going to adopt a different political mindset and it's going to give me all the answers it's like no 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 this is beyond that everything political is in, is still in the realm of Saturn right and that's still the material world and the jump we're making is into these transpersonal realms via the individuation process yeah well said it works on every layer of the collective you mean be it the planet the country the group the individual like each each creates its own unique karma and its own unique shadows which have to be dealt with on on some level um yeah. and yeah you're right in australia we never won our freedom it's very different to, it's very different to the u.s here you know, we ba we barely have a constitution. We don't have a bill of rights. We don't have guns. Um, yeah. We never went through any kind of rite of passage where we valued what it means to be a free and sovereign individual. And this could very much be the reason why we're experiencing it so harsh at the moment and why it had to be experienced this way, which is equivalent and necessary to awaken what needs to awaken within 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 the people to actually value that the way it needs to be valued so it doesn't happen again um 
So I want to know, um, in in Arizona at the moment, are vaccine passports implemented for non-essential services? No. 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 So it's radically different from where we were in California. Um, I mean, even my chiropractor up the street, he's like, he's very anti-jab and pro-holistic health. And he's like, everyone up here is armed. They're not going to force jab us, you know? And that's the truth is like, we go to some stores in Arizona and they have like gun check-ins at the door. They're like, like, this is the kind of culture that we're in this cowboy, very American, very uh, pro, I think it's a second amendment, right? Is that the yeah. gun? Yeah, yeah, they're pro, they're very pro second amendment. And they, and they, and that, I think that's the thing that saves them from tyranny. I mean, it was written into the constitution, right? So even though I don't, you know, I can, I can also see their unconsciousness too, by the way, but I have to say, knowing that there's a large amount of the population in Arizona who have guns to protect themselves from the government makes me feel a bit safer because I know if they're going to come door to door and try and like force jab us which is like the worst nightmare I don't think it's going to get to that because they can't because too many American citizens are armed mm -hmm. so um and I hope it doesn't go to that like I don't know like may I, I, we'll see I think I think a lot of our battles are actually fought in court these days you know so this kind of civil war type scenario I don't know if it's going to happen because that's just not how we fight battles these days it's more of psychological warfare more of like legal warfare mm -hmm. You know, but if it came down to it, I don't think they could actually get away with complete tyranny, at least in the US, because I've been exposed to this kind of real American culture and like they're not going to have it, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's why also as well, they've targeted the schools and they've really gone hard with the indoctrination because I don't think they think I don't think they I think they know they can't really get away with it in this generation with the generations that are alive right now. But if they were to indoctrinate, you know, the Pluto and Sagittarius generation, Pluto and Capricorn, the younger generations, you know, they could they could get the consensus to go along with it, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's and so again, it's free here. It's really free here. Actually, it's night and day. You know, we don't have to deal with passports. Um, we we didn't wear masks when we went to the grocery store. You know, um, Bernhard wears like. Uh, funny shirts to the grocery stores here like fear is the real virus and just like calling yeah. out the pandemic and stuff and like no one no one gives a shit you know yeah. Sedona in particular is an interesting mix it's definitely a majority like d democrats as far as like the political culture but there's a lot of like kind of new age truthers and also kind of cowboy Republican types, I guess you could say. So with that amount, like the consensus here is generally at least at least 50-50, you know? Yeah. Whereas if I were to actually be back in Vancouver where I'm from, um, I know that the politics is very far mm -hmm. left and I would have a much different experience, you know? Which is why we positioned ourselves here because it's just like for me, um, you know, when all the riots happened, I, I wanted to get out of LA anyway when I moved there to meet to be with Bernhard when we when we got married, you know, just because it was just too much. I had too much kind of uh, it was just a lot of energy for me, you know. Um, but when we moved here, it was like just a breath of fresh air, like we got our freedom back basically. So you see these different realities happening in different states right now you know and um 
and yeah, like I never really understood the whole American gun culture until this year. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like why you would have guns to protect yourself from a tyrannical government because a government could become tyrannical and they are becoming tyrannical, you know? Yet at the same time, I think that this whole constitutional crisis, like I think the values of the United States will have to change as well. So there's a lot of people within the kind of conservative Republican movement who think that they were just going to return to like 1776 and that's not going to happen either you know mm. yeah i think also too the one thing with uh being able to have your own guns is that yes of course if the if our government really wanted to like use its firepower against its population like they can but when you think about um you know, your, your police officers or even some of the soldiers, like if, if they had, if they were going to risk getting shot, going to someone's door to um, enforce some vaccine mandate, they're less likely to go along with it. You know, I think in places where people don't have guns, some of these people are more likely to just look, I'm just doing what I'm told. I'm doing what I'm told. Whereas here in America, like all you need is like 10, 15 people to get shot that are trying to do some of this shit when they go up to someone's house and yeah. I think things would change. People are not, these people, these uh, front frontline um, workers or, or police officers, they might be less likely to go along with it when they literally could lose their life. Totally, yeah, exactly. So they can't actually implement a full-on tyrannical government because there's too many people that are armed. It would result in a bloodbath. And they, you know, yeah. so what I think is actually going to happen, and it could happen, maybe not going to happen, but you see this happening. Isn't Australia these massive fines for opening your business and stuff? I don't know if you saw that going around, Joel. It's like yeah. half a million dollars was one of the fines for like for for breaking COVID restrictions. So if they do anything, they're going to start doing stuff like that. And then in that case, I actually the the, the thing I'm concerned about is like. I mean, I think what we're going to see is all these underground networks rising if they were to get to that point of tyranny where they were like literally like, okay, if you're not jabbed, you can't go to um, the hospital or something, you know, which I don't want to go to the hospital anyway, but if I broke my arm or got in a car accident or something, yeah. you would have to, you know, but I think what you're going to see, and this is also another Aquarian thing is you're going to see these like almost like underground networks organizing themselves as that were to happen, which is pretty common in communist regimes is like people figure out a way. So they don't let you in the grocery store. The person who sells eggs is going to be selling eggs and on the, on the, in the um, you know, black market or whatever. So it's like, it's going to, it's going to create an underground society basically which i think is already happening you know like we have telegram now like even today i opened up my instagram and they're like your account could get deleted because i shared articles that were literally in forbes you know um so so we're already seeing these underground networks kind of building and i think that's just going to expand especially as the tyrannical measures get worse and worse so i know with a lot of people too last year like they took their kids out of school and started homeschooling them and now we have yeah. a homeschool pods going on another kind of alternate uh, education network that's building so i think that's what's going to happen is you're going to have kind of the old world is going to exist there's going to be another reality that's going to coexist on the physical level alongside with it and and who knows what's going to happen from that point forward but I wrote this tweet, like, I think it was like two years, or it was 2020 when this all started that like, 
you know, never has it become more apparent than it has this year that you could be standing next to another person and living in an entirely different reality. And I think those different realities will literally start to manifest in physical form, you know? So I think it is really important during these times to network with like-minded people, you know, and find the others just so that you can have a support system in some way, you know? As much yeah. as a spiritual foundation will help us on a psychological, emotional, spiritual level, there is like organizing that, that will need to be done just on a purely practical basis, you know? So like finding a doctor, you know, who agrees with you or something, just little ways that you can kind of prepare yourself for potential and what's to come. Because I think that there is a certain level of, um, you know, the Taurus archetype can definitely get into survival mode and like resource hoarding. And you see people that right now, I think it's a good idea to start prepping, but you don't want to get into this kind of like, um, you don't want to be like driven by fear, you know, you want to yeah. be driven by just like, okay, like, how can I build something that's stable? You know, how can I be self-reliant too? So even for us, like we figured out ways that we don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. So say if they did implement a passport on the grocery store, we would have ways to get food, you know? So little things like this is like this Taurus survival mode has a, has an intelligence in it. Like one of the most Taurus people I know, she actually has been prepping for the apocalypse for like 10 years now, you know, <laughs> like at least. So I think that there's a certain amount of physical preparation and like organization that needs to be done just out of pure practical reasons, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. most of what you said is already happening here in Australia already. Yeah. The, the $500,000 fine thing that's to do with Victoria, Melbourne, the pandemic bill just got passed. Yes. They, they got they got dictator Dan Andrews and I mean on just on a foundational level this actually provides him with more power than what Hitler had. Um, so in, in in Queensland you have um, Anastasia the premier there, and basically she said that unvaccinated cannot go to hospital unless it's an emergency. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See. Yeah. So that's the kind of world that you you see kind of coming, and that's why I think building alternate kind of systems outside of it is going to be really key. And so then, you know, and then what's going to happen at that point, the government's trying to going to clamp down on that, you know, but I, I, I have faith in we the people, you know, I, I don't think the government is slow. It tends to take a long time to do things, you know, and I feel that the way things are going is that people are organizing faster than they can catch up with, you know, mm. So, um, so we'll see, like, I mean, I, I, I felt the world was going to kind of end in 2016 and I moved to a cabin in the woods and got into full survival mode and I was just five years to four years too early, you know? So I've been kind of in this space for a little while now where I could just see stuff was building up and stuff was starting to hit the fan. And now it's like, okay, it really is happening. And I think we have to prepare ourselves for the worst emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, and just organize, like just find the others, find like-minded people who are on the same page as you. For me, I'm like, my, my test of friendship is like, if I got thrown into the gulags, would you defend me kind of thing now? You know, because we really want to find allies too, because it could get to that point. I know in Australia, it's really disturbing watching um, these camps that they're putting people in, you know, and people justifying it and being like, oh, they're having such a good time. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, no, people are putting being put into camps against their will. This has historically always been a bad decision. You know, so I think we need to prepare for that. And I am prepared to go to the gulags. 
know, like that's how I feel though. Like I, I, like that's, that's what gives me strength to actually speak out and, and, and do the kind of work we're doing and be in my own integrity and, and stand in, and stand in the truth because I know that they could do the worst possible thing to me and I would still be fine. And I think that's also the mindset we got to get into too, you know, it's like, okay, you really want to, like, I have all these like kind of alternate plans and like what would happen if I got thrown into the gulags and all sorts of kind of stuff going on. Cause I don't know where it's going to go, you know, but yeah. I, but I do think the ultimate source of protection is your own level of being, you know? So our level of being will also dictate the part of reality that we live in as well, you know? So if we are, you know, just focused on reading social media and consuming bad food and not healing our trauma and just living from a very unconscious place, then we're actually gonna see more chaos and more craziness. But if we actually align with some sort of higher power within ourselves, I do think that there is divine protection and divine guidance, which can help us through these times. I agree 100%. And I just want you to know, I got your back in the gulag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually realized that because I'm really good at, I, I, I would do this thing last year to like entertain myself where I pretend to be a social justice warrior and pretend I just got totally brainwashed by the agenda and was like switching sides all of a sudden. Um, and I'm going to use that skill because I know that if they did do a gulag, they would do a re-education kind of camp. So I think that <laughs> pretending to be an indoctrinated kind of cultural Marxist would be a good survival skill in the gulags. <laughs> nice. You should definitely write an ebook on that. How to survive life in the gulag. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy. Just blame white people and colonialism and white men for everything, and then and then you're good. Then you're you could good. just write the Gulag Archipelago, Volume Four. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, and I mean, the passports are implemented here. Technically, the unvaccinated they can't do anything non-essential, right? We can only go to grocery stores and, and do, do what's mm -hmm. essential. Otherwise you need, and you can't go to a restaurant, can't go to a kid's place and uh, to take your kids out. You can't enter any of these places that aren't deemed non-essential without having to show someone your green tick here in Australia at the moment. Um, and they've apparently, they've, they've moved the deadline of when technically the unvaccinated can be reintegrated into society, but it's a deadline that keeps getting kicked down the road um, as, as, as things shift and things change um so yeah you people so you're in sydney right now right yeah i'm in sydney yeah okay yeah 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 that's crazy so how yeah. is that for you well um uh, i mean I, I obviously knew this was coming for a long time um you mean my, uh, my yeah, family how are, you, how are you dealing with that like have you just kind of slowly adjusted to having your rights taken away or well, I consider myself free and I live free um, and I, I I live free regardless. My philosophy, which I can borrow from one of our guests, Topher Fields, is that good people break bad laws. So for the mm -hmm. most part, um, our life hasn't dramatically changed that much, if I can, if I, if, if I can say that. Um, the entire time, like it's, it's become less intense now because, you know, and technically we're not in a lockdown anymore during during the peak of it when the fear was incredibly heightened like you would be so hesitant just to go into um the grocery store with, with, without a mask on simply because of how hostile the, yeah. the the crowd was in the crowd you mean um 
And yeah, it's, it's you're right. It's been an, an initiation for me as well, going through all of that and having to deal with all of that. I mean, I've been harassed by the police for simply, you mean, sitting down on the grass, eating a cucumber during my hour curfew, my hour of free time when you're supposed to be exercising. Instead, wow. I decided to have a little picnic with my family and seven police officers literally approached us um, and they fined me and my wife and they tried to arrest me simply because we were sitting down as opposed mm-hmm. to exercising during this hour that we were given as, as, as free time. How so much it's, it's, it's been wild. It's been absolutely crazy. Um, but they'd be less likely to do that if y'all were strapped. Yeah. The same. Yeah. True. No, <laughs> no it is true. It's true. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, and, and when you see this, like I'm, I'm Canadian, so I'm not really exposed to this American culture. I was more just, you know, saw it on the movies, I guess you could say, but yeah. I, I mean, there's some old school Americans in Arizona who wear cowboy hats, who are open carry oh, yeah. stuff. And I know that they're not going to F with them. So they're going to leave me alone because if they're, if they're not going to F with them, they'll leave me alone. You know, if you look at the data, there's less crime in places with open carry laws. You yeah, know? you're less likely to do shit when someone's like, yo, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know, like Australia also has its own kind of soul lessons. I know that you guys were a British colony for a long time. I lived in Melbourne for three years, too, by the way. Wow. So it's very disturbing to watch like all these places I used to go totally boarded up the economic devastation, you know, but it will really be about like we the people like Australia needs to stand up as well and like really reclaim their power. And I don't know, maybe you guys get some other weapons that you guys can can get since they took your guns away. But there has to be, you know, I think that it's also, happening. It's definitely yeah. happening. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. And I and I think that, um, you know, Australia just got used to kind of getting taken care of by 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 being part of the British colonies and stuff. And it was kind of a bit of a nanny country. It seemed like a lot of people just going along with the rules and stuff. And I think that Australia needs its own revolution and its own rebellion, you know, and the people have been taken care of by the government for so long. That's like, okay, like, how can we what can we where can we go from here? You know, so. And it, it is awakening. Australia has a very beautiful and unique spirit at the core at, at the core of it, which is coming to light now. Um, and you mean, it, it works both ways, like the, the we don't give a fuck attitude. You mean, yeah, whatever. That, that works both ways. In, in, in the beginning, it worked within the, the, the realm of, oh, yeah, it'll be right. It'll, 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 sort of, it'll, it'll sort itself out. And now it's kind of shifting towards, you know what I mean? Nah, fuck, you don't tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is kind of the spirit that I see building within Australia, which is, you mean, good to see. Um, certainly, who knows? Who knows, Laura? I mean, I, I have faith. We're in the it's game like, right now. It's all it's all unfolding as we're going through it, you know. And yeah, I, I have faith in the people. Me too. Yeah, and we just gotta hold on to our hats, you know. Like if we if we can just be comfortable with facing the darkness, it's about to be revealed within and without and find something beyond this world to anchor onto, we can survive anything, you know? It is really about a time of survival, I think, in a key, in, in, in a key way. And, um, and, and and we just gotta be prepared, you know? I know a lot of people, even in our groups, are like gonna, it's gonna be hard, you know? It's, I know, cause for my own Plutonian journey, this kind of stuff that I had to go through and heal was like really messy and dark and, 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 and hard to deal with sometimes. And I think collectively, we also need to deal with that as well. So it's like, 
we we as individuals have our own peace to offer this you know like we have our own personal unconscious our own personal shadow even myself like I could see myself wanting to fight the shadows on the wall over the last year you know and it's not that we don't speak up for things that are important to us and we just do inner work that's not it is that any action needs to be grounded in a higher level of consciousness than the problem basically so it's like you know, we, it's really tempting to just get angry and want to, you know, protest and whatever, but it, like the shift will happen if it's coming from a new level of consciousness as well. And I think in many ways, you know, they're actually almost setting fuel on the fire of this polarization and this war. I actually, when I go out in the world, I don't see that many people anymore, at least in on Arizona, who are like, you know, hostile or worried about the unvaccinated or the vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this stuff is just this kind of culture war and that the media is putting fans on the flames are. And I think that actually probably the majority do not want this to happen, you know, but it really takes us to stand up in our own power to speak out against it. And the more people, the better, you know? So like, that's why I'm like, for me, I'm just like trying to think of memes all the time because those go viral. You know, I'm just trying to reach as many people as possible so that they can have language so that they can say the things that maybe they don't know how to say or they can see that other people see the same way as them you know so i think that like this information war is like we also need to like like how you do joel with the memes it's like we need to kind of counter the information war with being better at the at the propaganda you know almost like counter propaganda as well yeah. because because the propaganda is trying to make you think that the majority want this to happen and i don't actually think that's the case i think that there's one third of people who don't want it to happen. There's one third of people who want to be left alone. And there's one third of people who do want it to happen. And the people who want to be left alone realize that they'll be left alone if they stand up, join with the people who don't want this to happen, then we have the majority. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are just afraid too. You know, that's why the inner work is important is because like, it's really hard to be yourself and stand up for what you believe in if you have self-worth issues, if you have unhealed trauma around people pleasing or appro seeking approval from other people, you know, so it does take actually doing some sort of self-work on early childhood conditioning in order to reach this new level, you know, and I think a lot of people are are, are missing that and, and could actually get stuck in almost like a cycle of trauma where they're, again, projecting on the government, the tyrannical government, all of the wounds from childhood too, you know. Definitely. Um, yeah, because the propaganda would definitely make us believe that, you I mean, close to 90 to 95% of people are on board with, with, with what's going on. Um, I mean, all the, all the jab rates that are being propagated at us here through the media and in Australia, this, this is what it echoes as well. And for a long time, I thought, yeah, that could be right. Because a lot of people who I thought wouldn't, wouldn't capitulate, um, wouldn't fold. They ended up did folding simply because of how coercive the force was. There was a time there in the middle where, and even still now, where you can't be in the workforce, right? And when people have to provide for their families, et cetera, et cetera, then they end up yeah. making these decisions that, that go against themselves. But now I feel a little bit differently about it for sure. But at the same time, sometimes I question like, how much of an echo chamber are we just in within, you mean the, the quote unquote truth community? And it's almost like what, there's obviously there's a whole nother realm of social media that's just, you know what I mean, completely against us, which, which, which we're not tapped into and we're not observing because obviously we're not connected to those channels. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult to gauge in, in, in that regard, but we're building something new and it's a growing and that, that's certainly hopeful. 
Yeah, I think it is a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, you know, um, but I think the only people you have the chance to kind of convince uh, to alternative uh, realities are people who are kind of like on the eggs, you know, and they could go either way if people are too far gone and really like I don't I don't argue with people who really buy into all, all this ideology and are part of the COVID call. I mean, they deleted me like last year anyway. Like I got, I got, I got a, I was part of this great unfriendy when I started speaking out and like I lost all of my friends, my family are hardcore leftists. They think I've lost my mind, you know. But I have to say it it, it always reminds me of this quote by Carl Jung, where he says, one of the best things you can do is disappoint your family, actually. And I think I that's what a lot of people are scared to do is like they're, they want to, they're, they're actually from a basic Jungian perspective, they're living an, the unlived life of their parents and they're still looking for their approval, you know? So I think a lot of people, and that's the consensus state, that's the mainstream is like, they're just going along with the programming. It's like, oh, it's going to make my life hard. It's like, if I had to, if I was a nurse right now, like, and I had to quit my job, I would never have been, been a nurse anyway. It's just not something that interests me, but you know, like it's, we live in this era of entrepreneurship, like quit your job. Look at the, like, you could learn like a course in three months and be, start to being a coach, you know, like be creative, yeah. you know? So anyone who says that they had to do it for their job or whatever, I question that because if it came down to it, maybe that's my own personal value is I would be inventive and creative and I, I would reinvent myself, you know? But I think 100%. again, it goes back to like wanting a paycheck and being attached to these old systems and being like, okay, if I want to make money, I have to go to school for eight years. I have to, you know, mm -hmm. jump through all these hoops. Like that's the Saturn level of working. It doesn't need to be like that anymore. Like we literally have like so much information in front of us. A lot of my learning, a lot of my training came online, actually. You know, I did, I did in-person stuff, but a lot of it came online. And I think people are just wasting this tremendous opportunity to rebuild their lives. You know, no one's being pressured into this when it comes down to it, unless they actually show up and they force it into you. And even then that would be their karma to bear. You know, no one's being pressured into it. It's just more just lack of creativity, lack of wanting to change, security thinking, you know, mm -hmm. just linked to fear. But I think that, you know, there's this great book, I haven't read it, but it's called The Sovereign Individual, which I think was written like 10 years ago, but he outlined everything that's happening and how we're reaching this new information age. So it was like the industrial age to the information age. So you guys have made the jump, you know, because you're in the information era doing podcasts and getting your work out there like that. But I see a lot of people who are more attached to this old world as well. And that's going to have to go like the education systems. You need a job to go there. You know, all of these Saturnian systems is legacy media, legacy uh, mainstream medicine. Like these are all collapsing, you know, and to the extent that we find security in that old world is to the extent that we're going to hang on to it as it dies. It's like literally like being on a ship that's sinking, actually. Yeah. And Dane Rudger actually yeah. has this really great quote um, that people can look up. It's called The Seed People. And he really talks about how, you know, this transitionary era that we're in, which we speak to a lot in our work. And he says this one line that you can either identify with the dying world or you can identify with the seed of the new world that wants to birth itself, you know. And I see a lot of people actually identifying with the dying world and wanting to kind of fix the government fix the system or whatever it's like no this is like actually sinking and there's something new being created yeah. you know and there is alternative communities going like i don't know how you guys feel about crypto i think that's going to be a part of it i know many people have different opinions but it's just 
it, mm -hmm. it, it gives the power back to the people, you know? So that's this kind of theme is like, I, I always like, when I think about the Aquarius theme, I was like, is it giving the power back to the people, you know? Mm -hmm. And the internet gave the power back to the people as well. And so I think there's a tremendous opportunity for entrepreneurship to make changes, you know, but it's like, are you willing to make those changes? Are you yeah, willing right. to die and be reborn basically? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, you said something that I shared a post about it the other day. I said, like, people keep saying, well, you know, they had to. And, well, my friend had to. And I actually had to do this thing. And I was like, you don't. You know, it just depends. Like, how how willing are you to be uncomfortable? You know, what are your priorities? Mm -hmm. Like, I tell people now, okay, in my position, you know, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a good space right now. But it, I tell my friends, like, I, I'd fucking live in a hut in, in the jungle somewhere if I had to. Like, there's no way... I, 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 that, I just know myself. Like I just, there's no way I would do it at all. Yeah. They would actually have to come to my door and force it into me. And even yeah. like, I've like, even if they did that and the jab killed me, I would try and reincarnate as a Pluto and Aquarius person, which would be a, a revolutionary template. And I would go back and like grow up and start like the revolution again, you know, it's like, there's no avoiding this. There's no avoiding the process. There's no avoiding the hard decisions that need to be made, you know, but it's really about like who, who still identifies with the consensus state, you know, mm -hmm. I gave that up. I like, I like, I have Uranus actually on my South node. So I see through my life, I never was, I, I, it was actually a struggle for me to be part of the mainstream. I was like, what the hell this is this garbage? Why would I want to be part of this world? You know, I rejected it early on, but I see a lot of people actually still putting faith in it. You know, they, 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 they just have so much attachment to the way things were, you know? And I think that if you're willing to kind of tune in your your consciousness to the future that's wanting to pull us forward that can be also a big point of inspiration you know because we like it's amazing to live in these times it's crazy but there's so much opportunity as well you know like like it was it was never this easy to really work for yourself and build your own business as it is now and reach people all over the world like we literally work with people all over the world and that's amazing to see people unite in this way so mm -hmm. Um, it's exciting. It's really exciting. But, you know, again, it's like we got to choose what we put our attention on, you know, and I think a lot of people are avoiding self-actualizing by kind of being stuck on the screen and consuming information, you know, whereas if you spend like an hour a day on something that you're passionate about that you can get paid for, you could literally change your career in like three months if you wanted to. Like, that's the truth. I know because I went through that. I'm sure you guys went through it with your own coaching, you know, like mm -hmm. it's easy to change your life if you want to. Absolutely. The ground has never been more fertile for you to create a life that is more authentically in alignment with who you are. And I think that that's the opportunity that we, that we have now is that, you know, I mean, for so long, we've been prolonged within these inauthentic systems in these routines and these habits and working for people that, you know, I mean, they, they don't, they, they don't serve us on, on any kind of level. And now it's kind of like, as this is collapsing, there was kind of like just this, this opportunity that came by for you to actually make a new decision, make a new choice, decide what it is that I can actually offer and how I can actually be of service. What do I need to learn to be able to step into that? Um, because part of this as well is most of the officiaries have gone out the window. You don't need to be a doctor and didn't have any of the titles anymore either. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, there's so many people who, 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 who are craving these kind of services too. Um, but it's just about finding what, 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 what your offer is at the same time. And 
actually yeah. actually acting upon that putting work towards building something but often people are so resistant to, to, to build something new and there's always the too hard kind of aspect yeah. of it as well you know but that's that's a rite of passage in itself yeah, the will has to be there, you know, um, I'm studying a new method, a psychospiritual modality of therapy by this guy who is like a contemporary of Jung and um, as well as Dane Rudyard, who I mentioned earlier, the astrologer, and he really talks about the importance of the will on the path, you know, the will to just get, do something. It, first begins with your personal will like you know what stuff needs to be done are you going to do it or not like that's really what it comes down to and I see that a lot of people you know that's the central thing that makes progress on the path is like is the will to do it there some people learn that will through desperation some people have that will in them already you know especially more creative types but like the will needs to be engaged you know you need the will to like even just read a book for an hour and not go to social media you know like these days like the, our, our attention is such a precious commodity, you know, and mm. I think with a lot of people, you know, if the will isn't there, they just float along through life, they wake up, they check their phone for three hours, they just kind of, you know, and, and, and I can see how that can be also a trauma response in these times, you know, but the will to make a different life has to be there. And I know for me, it was because I was like, I am not, I was not doing well in the matrix world. I went to college, I went to kind of my job placement after college. And I was like, was like, I can't do this. This is going to suck my life force. And I had to create my life from nothing. You know, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? What do I care about? It was like, just step by step moving towards my passion and my path unfolded, you know, but the will to make something different was always there. And I think with many people is that will doesn't sometimes, uh, I guess, switch on unless they're in a highly pressurized environment, you know? And I think if we can just kind of engage a little bit of that fire on a day-to-day -day basis, we can make rapid changes in our own spiritual evolution and our own physical evolution, recreating our lives, you know? Um, but the will has to be there. Yeah, and it's really what I found, it's, it's actually a spiritual process in itself, you know? It's, it's not always just internalizing everything, actually exerting yourself in the world and moving forward is, is, is a catalyst for real growth and change. I mean, obviously, and it, it works both ways, you know, as, as you meet the world, so you meet yourself, the further you extend out, the more that's going to, the deeper you can go, the, the, the more things that are going to be there to, to be resolved, to actually create the space necessary for you to then move on to the next level. And we're not here to be stagnant beings on any level. We're human, right? We're here to act. We're here to do. We're here to even achieve, right? And people have almost like negated and neglected and turned achievement into some kind of dirty concept um uh, where, where where it's not as all and, and this all comes down to the marxist and the and the socialist programming you know but really i mean if you understand the work of individualism and ayn rand and true capitalism and, and, and forms like this um uh, then they, these are actually life-giving processes you know man is yeah. here to do something man is man is here to test his metal on on on, on some level and this yeah. will has been diminished within us so deeply. And this is, again, part of the reason why we're so prone to being having these tyrannical forces just implement themselves upon us. So oh. if anything, we're, we're being taught a lesson in exerting our will and actually tapping back into that as a, as yeah. a collective as well. 
Yeah, and that's also, you know, so when you think about like uh, basically the basic premise of evolutionary astrology that whenever you're working with an archetype so Aquarius in this instance you're also working with the opposite archetype so Leo is actually the opposite of Aquarius and so the Leo signature actually fuels kind of the Aquarius times we're entering into which means that creative self-actualization in service to humanity is going to be a huge lesson for us you know and actually I, I read a quote by Maslow he he literally said that one percent of the population is self-actualized which is alarming it's like that so that's 99 of people are not living out the purpose they were here to be and i actually i believe that actually maybe a little bit more but i believe that because when i you know i think the thing with coaching is and i think this is kind of the gift that i offer people is i do see the infinite potential in people i do see that they can be anything even when they can't see it themselves you know because we've really been programmed and really disempowered by the consensus culture that okay you're basically a slave from the moment you are born and then you have to go to university and become even more of a slave and go into hundreds of thousands of debt and then become more of a slave to your debt. Like we live in this slave mindset in many ways, you know, just waiting for someone to give us a job and pay us. It's like, no, create your own job, you know, get paid yourself. Like this is like, you know, the creative potential we have available for us in this era, you know? And I think that I think that um, a lot of people, and that's actually why we incorporate evolutionary astrology in the course is because like, I just want people to realize why they came here, who they are and have the will to carry out that mission. You know, yeah. you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be the best. Just have the will to be who you are and do what you came here to be here for, you know? And it's it's easier said than done because the first thing you come up against is all of those limitations, all of those programming. So I think that like the, the creative self-actualization is so, so, so key right now too. And that's why I think generally creative people are, are, are able to make the jump into the information age easier because they're like, okay, how do I do this? You know, how do I make a course? How do I become a coach? Like they figure it out, right? There's a certain type of person who seems to make that jump to entrepreneur, uh, the kind of entrepreneur lifestyle. And I think that we need to actually become entrepreneurs as well. Like I would love to see all the nurses and doctors like set up their own alternative health movements as well. So, so we'll see. <laughs> beautifully said um laura i'm gonna wrap this one up um anything that you want to um share with our audience uh any any of your courses starting again or where can people find you and what's what's the process for that yeah so i think we have like eight spots next for our group coaching program which starts in january and that's a 12-week group program in psycho-spiritual self-work hosted by bernhard and i we do weekly calls we engage people through a process of what we call holistic self-work so working on all levels emotional psychological spiritual somatic um, so we have one more coming up in January, and if you want to apply to that, you can go to, or find out more about it. You can go to Bernhard's website at veilofreality.com, um, and then we're going to actually take a little bit of a break because we've been going hard with groups, actually. Um, and then in the meantime, the best way to find me is um, through social media. As long as I'm not deleted, I'm on Instagram under Laura Matsu. Uh, we also have a Cosmic Matrix podcast, which has gotten really popular. Um, so you can look up Cosmic Matrix on any podcast provider. And 
yeah, I think that's it. I'm not really going to get my website because I don't update it, but the best way to find me is, oh, and Telegram too. So we have a time of transition Telegram channel, which you can either find, I don't know if you guys can link it, but I also have it linked yeah, on my yeah. bio on Instagram. We'll have all the, we'll have all the links um, below. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to find us censorship free is, is Telegram these days for sure. Awesome guys. Definitely check out Laura and check out Bernard as well. Um, these guys have been really presenting the work in, 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 a, in a grounded way, um, which I think is super beneficial for everyone. I know that just consuming their information in my own way, something that has definitely helped me along, along my path, certainly, and people that I definitely recommend you, you following and getting in touch with. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. And thank you for being here for the truth. Thank you for having me. Take Thanks care, guys. Bye. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean.